This is the Christian Artist, and it's just Caleb here, soon to be just Connor. Uh, yes, this is another Connor-only episode of the Christian Artist, uh, the last in the First John series that Connor did a while ago um, at youth group uh, at our local church, and uh, this is the last last recording for you guys of that little series, so I hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'll be back next week with uh, a live episode. <laughs> talking about how do we love unbelievers, all right? So the first week, we talked about how do we love God, or more specifically, do we love God, all right? Talked about evidence of salvation. And last week, we also talked about the same kind of idea, except with not how do we love God, but how do we love Christians, all right? Um, and that that is also evidence that you are saved. And also, so, so in light of that, so we're not going to be talking as much about evidence, but more about what the goal of the Christian life is, right? So we talked about the evidence, whether or not you were saved. Now we're talking about, now if so, if you are a Christian, what does that look like, all right? And the main goal is to love unbelievers, okay? 1 John 2.2 says, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world, Okay, so from what we talked about last week, we could have this idea that we can just sit in our little church bubble and not try to witness and be a light to the rest of the world. But we are not the only people that Jesus died for. Okay, so in light of this, we are commanded to witness. We are commanded to evangelize. We are commanded to preach the gospel. All right, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right? So we are commanded by our Lord and Savior, the God of the universe, to make disciples. Okay? To preach the gospel. And the words there, uh, therefore go, or whatever. Uh, go, yeah, no, no, go therefore. That's funny. Okay, so those words, I heard Greg Steer say that it's not um, that we are supposed to ditch everything we're doing and give up all your possessions and wander around barefoot around Janesville and, you know, preach the gospel to everybody, okay? I used to think that as a kid. I used to read my Bible and be like, you know, if I want to be a radical Christian, right, I just got to, you know, just throw everything away and just wander around aimlessly like the disciples did, right? You know, just following Jesus. I don't know where he went. Go this way. All right? It's, that's pointless and unhelpful, okay? So what that's saying there is not to give up everything. We are supposed to, you know, give up everything for God, but not in an actual physical sense of you don't own anything, you don't do anything anymore, you just wander around. All right? That's not what that's talking about. The words there is, as you go. All right? So as you are living your life pleasing to God, you witness to everybody you come across. All right? That's just the life of a Christian. That's just what we do. All right? First uh, John 2.6 says, He who says he abides in him, and abides in God, ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Okay? So we are commanded in Scripture to imitate Christ. Right? We talked about that the first week. What did Christ do? Was the main life of Jesus. He preached the gospel to everyone he came across. Alright? That was his ministry, and we are called to live the same. Uh, John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Right? Plain and simple. 
If we are Christians and we love God, we obey his commandments. What did he command us to do? Preach the gospel and imitate him. And what did Jesus do? Preach the gospel, right? Um, Charles Spurgeon once said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Every Christian is either seeking to save the lost and to preach the gospel to them. It's not that they, it's not that they are doing that all of the time. Right? It's not like you're, you're perfect in your evangelism. But every Christian seeks to save that which is lost. All right? Or they're not really a Christian. Plain and simple. All right? And the word missionary there is not to say that you have to go to some foreign country. All right? We are supposed to witness to just everybody around us. All right? The people that you were placed with, where you are living today, are people that you can witness to. All right? And even in the church. Okay? There's a, a statistic I heard from uh, Ray Comfort. All right? Only 2% of self-proclaimed Christians have preached the gospel. Or even attempted to. Okay? That's 98% of people that can generally be assumed to be unsaved in the church. Think about that. Only 10% of churchgoers even kind of follow the teachings of the church. Why are those two numbers different? Probably because not every church teaches to evangelize. Okay? But we have this idea that, that everybody who says they're a Christian is a Christian. And that's not true. Because our hearts can deceive us. Right? And we can be deceived ourselves into thinking that somebody is saved and they're totally not, right? because their life doesn't look like they're saved. Um, Paul Washer said, When will we realize that one of the greatest mission fields in the West is the pews of our churches every Sunday morning? All right? We need to get our house in order first. That should be goal number one. Because not everybody in the church is actually saved. All right? um, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All right? Do you see in every church, do you see every single person as a new creation in Christ? No, we don't see that. All right? And if they're not a new creation, they're not saved. Okay? We talked about that the first week. Evidence of salvation is that you're a new creation. Okay? So, uh, we're going to go through a lot of Charles Spurgeon quotes today, just because... He's awesome, all right? So, um, Charles Spurgeon said, if there be any one point in which the Christian church ought to keep its fervor at a white heat, it is concerning missions, right, evangelism. If there be anything about which we cannot tolerate lukewarmness, it is the matter of sending the gospel to a dying world. All right, that is the most important job as, as Christians for the church, okay? Uh, Charles Spurgeon, lost, lost, lost. Better a whole world on fire than a soul lost. Better every star quenched in the skies a wreck than a single soul to be lost. Do we think like that? Do we really? Is the most important thing in our lives is to see that which is saved, or that which is lost to be saved, all right? Do we see hell as what it is, right? A lot of, a lot of um, uh, preachers and evangelists will say that hell is separation from God. And there is a verse that says that in 1 Thessalonians, right? Hell is separation from God. It's separation from the goodness and, and, and righteousness of God, right? Which everything that is good 
about God is a separation of that for people in hell, all right? But it is not just that, because a lot of atheists like that idea, all right? A lot of people are like, cool, God's not there, that's where I'll go then. That's not, but that's not, and then like, a lot of people will be like, well, okay, well, that's what the Bible says, so if they don't, if they're not convicted by that, then oh well. But that's not everything the Bible says about hell, all right? Hell is also eternal torment. Matthew 13, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, all right? It is not the absence of God in the sense that God pours out his wrath on the people that are in hell, all right? It's our judgment. It's what we deserve. And it is a terrible fate. Another Charles Spurgeon quote for you here. Sinners will be damned. At least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with their arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Unwarned and unprayed for. Okay? First John 5, 4 through 5 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? All right, why did I say that here? The only way to Christ, or the only way to heaven, the only way to be saved is through Christ. All right, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All right? So this is important. Why? Because it is the only way to be saved. The only way. So the gospel has to be proclaimed. But what about Romans 1, right? People are without excuse. Let's go and read that here. Romans 1, 18 through 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. See what's going on here? Paul is saying that people are without excuse because they not only know God exists, but in the last part here it says they refuse to worship him. So they are without excuse for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him because, but, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. All right, so everybody is without excuse, no matter what. So that means we're off the hook, right? Whew, right? We're off the hook. We don't actually have to preach the gospel because it's their fault, it's not ours, right? Romans 10, later, nine chapters later in that book. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. They have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from what? Hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. The gospel has to be proclaimed. It is the only way to Christ. And we are commanded to in scripture. Okay? Charles Spurgeon once said, Your one business in life is to lead men to believe in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every other thing should be made subservient to this one objective. We as the church, we are supposed to love God. We are supposed to study his word. We're supposed to 
to, to seek his will for our lives. And also, we're supposed to love one another as Christians, all right? And encourage and exhort one another and, and preach the gospel to one another. And that is evidence that we are saved, but the goal of a Christian, the one thing that we do, is to preach the gospel to the lost, okay? 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. We are commanded in Scripture to be ready. Okay? We have to be ready. So, like the last couple of weeks, we as a church have a problem with, with saying we need to do, you guys need to do something and then not explaining how to do it. So I could say, you got to go preach the gospel, and then if it didn't help you to try to, to do that biblically, then really all I did was waste my time, all right? So next thing we're going to talk about is how to evangelize, okay? So these are, these are four points I'm going to give you here, but they're not mine, just so you guys know. This is for Ray Comfort. So if you guys think, oh, this guy is really cool. He's got some good ideas here. It's, it's not me. All right, it's Ray Comfort. Um, so uh, point number one is relate, okay? We, as people living in this world, not of it, all right? We're not of the world. We don't live like the world. We're still in the world. So we can very easily relate to the people around us, Okay? We have a lot in common, all right? We eat, we sleep. You guys go to school with people who aren't saved, okay? We do a lot of things that we can relate to people with, all right? If you guys have a hobby and somebody else has a hobby, it's relatable, okay? So we can use those things to make friends and to get people to see, to, 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 I mean, to relate to them, right? It's, it's the word here. To, to, to get us on the same page, all right? So we're not just saying a bunch of weird theological words and that don't, people don't really understand, okay? We, can have, we could talk in like a Christianese language and propitiation. People are like, I don't know what you're talking about, man, all right? So but we can relate to them on a very easy level by talking about worldly things, Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. All right, so find things you have in common with unbelievers. Be a likable person. That's not a bad thing, all right? We have this idea, you know, you think of like, like the most respectable, like coolest pastor you know, all right? I think of like, of like five and they're all really funny, cool guys. All right? I, would, I would sit and hang out with them all day. I mean, just not because I respect them as pastors, just because they're cool people, all right? They're, they, they're, they're funny. They're, they're people, okay? Uh, Ray Comfort is one of them, all right? Have you ever seen him evangelize? I, um, me and my dad were just, just doing this like an hour ago. We were sitting on the couch, 
and I was playing a YouTube video of Ray Comfort, and just the things he was saying, we were just laughing. I mean, he's, he's witnessing and talking about super serious things, and he'll just say something because you guys, you're just like, this guy, like, what is he doing? What he's doing is he's, he's letting people, he's getting people to let down their guard, all right? He's showing them that he is a person, he's a human being, all right? And he's getting them to see things from a worldly perspective, okay? That's what Jesus did. He would, he, that's why he was a storyteller. He would use parables to try to explain something spiritual with worldly things that people can understand and relate to, okay? With uh, uh, the woman at the well, all right? Jesus would, um, came up to her and asked her for a drink of water. Pretty simple stuff right there. You guys could do that. It's pretty easy, all right? No, but so he asked her for a drink of water, and she was like, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. And he was like, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink of water, and I would give you living water. You'd never thirst again. And she's all just like, what are you talking about? But then he explains it, right? So it's, it's like a hook. It's, you're, you're saying something that intrigues them, and you're saying it something that they can understand without having to use big theological words, all right? And you can be funny about it, all right? If you, if you have a way with words, you have a way with a certain friend, use that. Become like those people. Not, not being of the world, become like them, to relate to them, so you can witness to them, all right? Um, for me personally, you can use hobbies, all right? People at work, we have two things in common, all right? Magic the Gathering and video games, all right? And I can use that very easily to preach the gospel. How? We're talking about video games. This guy's spending a ton of money on video games or Magic the Gathering or whatever. And I could be like, yeah, I used to do that. When I, when I was younger, I would spend a lot of time on video games, and that was my God. I would, I would wake up every morning and say, if I can just play some video games today, it would be a good day. All right? And I worshipped video games. And then when I was saved, that's not what I did every morning. I woke up. And I thought, how can I serve God today? And some, so, you know, maybe, maybe somebody would hear that and be like, all right, religious nut. But that is a way to witness, right? We find different things that we can relate to them and show how we're, of the, we're, we're, we're in this world but not of it. We do some of the same things, but we do it for different reasons. We glorify God instead of ourselves, right? We don't do certain things. And make a point of that. Uh, I, had a, I had a friend that would, that said that if she ever was asked by unbelievers to go drinking, that she would have to say yes. Because, you know, she would offend them, or, or well, if not, she would make them stumble, right? And it, and it blew my mind. I was like, what are you talking about? What you're doing there is instead of being a light, you're being just like them, all right? Perfect opportunity there is to say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. And uh, for you guys, I'm underage. That would be illegal. Stupid, all right? No, so, so use those things with, if you're trying to be got, getting to do certain things that you know are not right, use that as an opportunity to witness. Don't be embarrassed about it. Serve God, all right? Uh, point number two is to relate, or create. So point number one was relate. Point number two is create, all right? Create opportunities. You have to bring it up in conversation. You can't wait around for opportunities to fall in your lap. Sometimes they do. It's a very rare occasion, all right? Seek out opportunities to witness to people, to bring it up in conversation, all right? Um, find ways and reasons to talk about God. And if you are saved and are passionate about God, it should be natural, okay? 
Uh, Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. What is he saying there? What you fill yourself up with is what eventually is going to come out. Uh, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Proverbs 10.11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Okay? Uh, Psalm 1, 1 through 2, Blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the ways of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the Bible, and on his law he meditates day and night. Fill yourself up with scripture so that you don't have to, to, to force it into conversation, but it's just natural. Okay? If you are passionate about God, if you like talking about God, then you're just going to talk about God. You don't have to force it. All right? Um, people, people like what other people are passionate about, all right? They'll let you speak. People love it when people are passionate about things. Um, have you ever guys had a, a teacher that you, and you just hated the subject that they were teaching, but you enjoyed it because they were cool and passionate? They were passionate about what they were speaking about, so it made it interesting even though you hated it, all right? That is what we should do as Christians, Right? Somebody has this really boring background of, of, you know, just a really boring pastor, okay, who just, oh, blesses the man, and, and it's not, it's not doesn't make it interesting, it's just reading things, all right? And then they, they see you, a Christian who's real and authentic and loves God and loves his word and makes an effort to read the Bible, and they're like, why? Because I love it. That's a testimony, all right? And, and they'll be interested because you're interested, Right? How many times have you sat and listened to somebody talk about something that you didn't necessarily have an interest in, but you were just being a nice human being and listening? All right? not, not every atheist in the, on this planet, unlike what Christian movies like to portray, not every atheist on this planet is a complete jerk. <laughs> okay? if, if you bring something up that you want to talk about, the chances of them saying, no, I hate you, <laughs> are small. <laughs> okay? People... People are humans. They don't freak out every time you want to talk about something you're passionate about. All right? People have humanity. Okay? Um, Paul Washer, every time he flies on a plane to, to go speak somewhere or whatever, he's like, I have like two hours with this dude who has no idea I'm a pastor, and they have to sit next to me. It's great. All right? No. So what he says is, is he makes it an opportunity to witness to them. And what he does is he's, he's a friendly guy. He's nice to them, you know? He helps them out with different things. He's just a good neighbor, all right? And, and you know, they just, he just kind of makes conversation. And as they go, if it doesn't come up naturally, sometimes it does, if it comes up naturally, just, oh yeah, no, I'm a pastor. And you know, I'm going to speak somewhere right now. You know, and then he can bring it up. But if not, he just sticks it in there. He's like, hey, we're coming to, you know, the end of the fly or whatever, I'm a Christian. Um, can, I, can I have like just five minutes of your time to just preach the gospel to you, all right? And a lot of the times they'll just say, yeah, why? Because kind of jerk is like, no, okay, it's, like, let's be real, guys, it's, it's not as, as detrimental to our social life, as it, as it might, we might think sometimes, all right, um, and if they say no, he's just like, okay, and then continues to be nice to them, all right, because then, because if, he, if, he, if he'd said, hey, can I preach the gospel with you, and they're like, no, and he was like, well, fine then, and they just didn't talk the rest of the time, you know what that guy sees? Well, he didn't care about me. He just wanted to preach the gospel to me. 
And if, but if he's nice, if he continues to be nice to them and it, it's not just a mission for him, he actually cares about the person, that's a witness. That's a testimony. And then that person goes away thinking, oh, man, I, why don't I just listen? I feel like a jerk, right? That, like, like, use that. Use that when you're witnessing to people of just being nice and not forcing the gospel down someone's throat is very helpful, okay? But let's say, let's say somebody does do that, all right? I went uh, street witnessing one time after uh, Dare to Share, right? And uh, <laughs> I think it was with Rebecca Reese, with those of you who know Rebecca Reese and Lindsay, all right? And we went up to this guy, and he was just like, we were like, hey, you know, we're at a, a conference or whatever, and, you know, we're being challenged to share our faith. Can we, can we do that with you? And uh, he was like, no. And he, like, yelled at us in, in like, a, we were, like, in a mall, and he's, like, he's just, like, there yelling at us, all right? And we were just kind of like, skirt, skirt, run, <laughs> okay? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really funny afterwards, and, but it was like, what did we do wrong, all right? But, no, so if that happens, and that will happen, all right? If that happens, dust, dust off your feet and walk away, all right? Uh, Luke 9, 5, when Jesus sent out his disciples to, to witness, he said, and wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Uh, Matthew 7, 6, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. I, I don't know how far that, uh, how close that guy was to turning and attacking us. Probably not terribly close. We were in public. But point stands. Don't don't aggravate somebody by trying to force them to listen to you. And also, plain and simple, don't throw your pearls before pigs. Don't give dogs what is holy. If they don't want to hear it, walk away. Don't waste your time if they don't want to hear it. Okay? Pray for them. Absolutely. Don't, don't try to force somebody to believe something. Or even to hear you out. All right? Um... Colossians 4, 5 through 6, all right? Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how, to answer, how you ought to answer each person, okay? So a lot of things going on here, but main thing here I want to uh, focus on is let your speech always be gracious, gracious, seasoned with salt, okay? Make this interesting because you're different, Okay? Be a light. Be different. And so that people will look at you and say, there is something different about this one. Somebody growing up in a, in a church, have his you know, church background their entire life, but never actually saw a real Christian and they see you, they're going to think, there is something different about this person. Okay? Uh, Matthew 5.13, if you are, the, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Okay? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do good things, not only for other people, but just do good things. Be set apart. Make yourself look different than the world. Why? Because it's natural. You're a Christian. You do live differently. All right? And do it to create opportunities to witness. Okay? Um, 
when I used to work at Schnucks, I would, we, we would get like a 15 minute break, right? And we'd be in this break room. It was a really bad deal, right? Because you would just, you would get like 12 minutes to shove food on your throat. And I'm, I'm a slow eater. You, you guys probably all know this, all right? So it was just, it was just a bad deal for me, all right? And, and I would just be always like, like, what's the point of this? It's just so short, I should just not do it at all. And because I would always go there and just be stressed out about, well, well I'm going to have to get back there. And so it just, it wasn't fun for me, all right? But it was a great opportunity because I would go in there and I would hide gospel tracks all over the break room. And I would, I, I, like, I seriously, I did this. I would hide gospel tracks everywhere. It was so much fun. And, uh, and people would find them and throw them away, right? People would people come in and, like, see a bunch of them and they would just all throw them away, all right? But another, there was a one time, I don't, remember, I don't know who it was, I don't know who did any of this, but there was one time somebody took one of them and like put it on top and like, like made it stand out. And I was like, hey, that's pretty cool. No, but so, but also I, whenever I would eat, I would bring out my Bible and I would just read it. And a lot of times I would read it and I'd be like, I have no idea what if I just read because it was like 10 minutes and I'm actually just eating and stressed out about the fact that I want to be back on time, all right? But it was a great opportunity for me to have everybody there know that I was a Christian, all right? It didn't, it didn't like, at, at a grocery store, you don't get a lot of opportunities to preach the gospel to people. You don't get a lot of opportunities to do a whole lot at all, all right? You don't really talk to people too much because, you know, you start talking about something serious and then a customer comes by and you're like, I'm really awkward if we continue this conversation, all right? So there was, really wasn't a lot of opportunity and that bothered me, but... I said, my goal there is going to be to have everybody know that I am a Christian, okay? To make, to create opportunities for future things, all right? Um, so I, I would just read my Bible. And so everybody would come in and just be like, oh, that's the Bible. You, you know, you read the Bible. And I was like, yeah. You know, and not a lot of, you know, conversations happen because they would come in and say something and I'd be like, oh, yeah. And, you know, so it was awkward. But... Everybody knew that I was a Christian. That was the point. Okay? But, okay, so in, in light of these verses here, right, people get this idea that, oh, we don't really have to preach the gospel with words. We can just do it with actions, right? Well, <laughs> I, I, okay, I, I know this is a really creepy picture, and I even looked this up. There is such a thing as a Christian of mime organization. I don't know how you guys feel about that. <laughs> but I think that's weird and a waste of time. Okay? <laughs> So, <laughs> what is the point of being a light if not to attract people in order to preach the gospel to them? People aren't saved by looking at a Christian's life and saying, oh, well, I know that that person is saved because of Jesus. And no, what all they see is somebody who's really cool and a good person. All right? So what does that do? It gives all the glory to you instead of God. Do good work so that people will see you and glorify who? God, your Father in heaven. How do they know that you're glorifying God unless you say, I'm, I'm doing this for God, okay? The gospel has to be proclaimed. You can't, like, like Jesus in the gospels didn't tell his disciples to go out and interpretive dance the gospel at every town. Because that would be really silly and pointless, okay? The gospel has to be communicated, all right? So point number one is relate. Point number two is create. Point number three is convict, all right? So up to this point, if, if things go well, you're on good terms with this person. It could be, could be a two-minute conversation where you, you relate to them and then create an opportunity 
show them that you're different and that it's, it would be an interesting conversation, right? And it, or it could be a whole year where you're just building a relationship with this person. But eventually, we have to get to convict, to convict somebody. Remember the word last week, alenjo, right? To expose, to bring to light, right? To convict is a good thing and it is the work of the Holy Spirit, okay? And we have to get to this point. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 7.10, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. We, we have to convict people of their sin. We have to, all right? Uh, um, let's, go, let's go back to 2 Corinthians 7 10 here just for a second, all right? So for godly grief produces repentance, all right? Godly grief is a good thing and it leads to salvation. To bring someone before a holy God and convict them of their sin is how people are saved. Because if you tell somebody you need to be saved but don't tell them what from, all they hear is oh, a really nice Jesus guy and a cool church to go to. And that's not the point. The point is to have a relationship with God and be saved from our sins, okay? Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, Preach with this object that men may quit their sins and fly to Christ for pardon, that by his blessed spirit they may be renovated and become as much in love with everything that is holy as they are now in love with everything that is sinful. People love their sin. They do. And people hate God. That's the truth of the matter. Unbelievers hate God. And we want that to be switched around, okay? But we don't get there unless we tell them what they're doing wrong. We have to get them to the point where they understand that the life that they're living is contrary to Scripture and is not okay. And that's a loving thing to do. How do we love unbelievers? We have to convict them of their sin. Ray Comfort does this very well, right? And... Plug for Ray Comfort, all right? YouTube him sometime. And if you guys are finding this interesting and you're like, I want to, to know how to evangelize, all right? Everything I'm saying is pretty much from Ray Comfort, all right? So the best thing I ever did was just watch him do it, all right? And, and watch how he evangelizes. And every single time he preaches, it's the same exact thing. It's just to a different person. He, he relates to that person and, and he, he, you know, he answers their questions, but at the same time, he always brings it back to one thing. Is there a heaven or hell? Are you worried? Are you a good person? All right? Brings them through Ten Commandments. All right? Have you ever lied? Have you ever uh, stolen? Have you ever lusted? Have you ever blasphemed? All right? That would be a great one for people in the church or if you go to a Christian school. The blasphemy is taking God's holy name and using it as a cuss word, and that's serious. All right? So we, we, we um, bring them to the knowledge of sin, and that is helpful, all right? That gets somebody to think, this isn't good, all right? I'm in a bad place before a holy God. It's, it's God's holy, perfect standard. And if we don't match up to that, then we have to be saved, okay? And that's offending. That's not, that's not something that's, that's, you know, a pleasant experience a lot of times for either person, 
all right? But it is helpful and it's necessary to bring people before a holy God and confronting them with their sin, okay? Um, so so if, if, you, if this is interesting to you and you want to, to study up more on this, just Google Ray Comfort, all right? And just watch how he does it. And it'll stick in your mind because he says the same thing over and over and over again to every single person. It just sticks in your mind. And, and I'll be talking with somebody at work and I'll instantly just be like, Ray Comfort, and just, just spew stuff, right? And, you know, a lot, maybe, maybe, maybe sometimes it's not as helpful because, you know, you're, you're on this, like, railroad track. So you have to know how to answer each person, okay, like uh, Colossians 4 says. And what, Ray Comfort is also very good at that. And so watch him. Um, it, it'll be helpful. It was very helpful for me, right? Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, Think lightly of hell, and you will soon think lightly of the cross. That's why we're talking about this, right? Think lightly of the sufferings of lost souls, and you will soon think little of the Savior who delivers them. If we do not understand that there is something to be saved from, salvation means nothing to us. God means nothing to us. His sacrifice means nothing to us if there isn't something to be paid, all right? But the reason we can talk about conviction is because we eventually do get to the cross, all right? That's point number four. So relate, create, um, convict, and cross. Okay? Here's a quote from Paris Ridehead. If I had my way, I would declare a moratorium on public preaching of the plan of salvation in America for one to two years. So you would stop all the moratoriums. No, none of the preaching of the American gospel. All right? Then I would call on everyone who has use of the airwaves and the pulpits to preach the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, and the law of God until sinners would cry out, what must we do to be saved? Then I would take them off in a corner and whisper the gospel to them. Don't use John 3.16. Such drastic action is needed because we have a gospel-hardened generation of sinners by telling them how to be saved before they have any understanding why they need to be saved. So when you are witnessing to somebody, be very careful of when you bring up the gospel. Don't, don't just throw it out there and then, oh, you know, I've heard that before. I'm not interested. But if we bring them before the need to be saved, then it becomes important. So another thing I want to say, oh, okay, so we'll go to the next verse here, though. So we do get to the gospel, all right? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right, so we do get to the gospel. That is very important, okay? You don't just tell somebody, well, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. See ya. You know, that's not helpful, all right? So we teach them what it means to be saved, all right? But don't make this into a magical prayer, don't make this into an altar call that's just five minutes long and then we declare them saved and throw them in the church. We don't try to, to get people to come to a point where we can declare them saved and then stick them in a church. That's not good. That's not helpful. That's not honoring to God. Explain to them faith. Explain to them salvation. Talk about things like propitiation. All right? How it's Christ's perfect life and righteousness that is exchanged for our sinfulness. All right? Teach them about these things. Don't just, like this should be the, if, if we get somebody to this point, this should be the longest we spend, all right, to explain what the Christian life looks like and how it is that we can be saved and why it is that we can be saved, all right? 
This should be the most important part. We as Christians in the American church have this idea that it's all about to getting them to, to declare something or getting them to a point where we're like, oh, I guess they're saved, and then we just stick them in a church. And you know what they do? They're not actually saved. They think they're saved, so they're deceived. And then they go out into the world, pretend to be a Christian when they're actually not, and give God a bad rep. That is the worst thing we could possibly do for the person and for the church. All right? If somebody doesn't want to be saved, that's okay. Pray for them. Urge them. Implore them. But don't declare them saved once they get to a certain point in your mind where you're like, yeah, I guess that's okay. Don't make this quick two-second thing. All right? Charles Spurgeon said, let them not so much preach sinners to Christ to, 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 to push them in the church door as preach Christ to sinners. Right? Luke 9, 23, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Tell them that. Why? Because we don't want to make converts, we want to make disciples. Luke 14, 25, 27, all right? Jesus would go around and perform miracles. People would follow him just for the miracles. If you read John 6, a bunch of people were following Jesus and they were like, hey, when's the next miracle? When do we get more free food? Right? That Jesus does not want people like that following him around. So he turned around to them and taught them what it means to be a Christian, and they all left and went away. It was a hard, hard teaching. Who, who could possibly believe that? And so they just walked away. And you know what Jesus didn't do? Is chase them down. He let them go because they didn't want him. Alright? So this is happening again, all right? He's preaching to people who are interested in hearing what he has to say. And what does he tell them? He doesn't say, pray this magical prayer and you'll be saved. He explains to them exactly what it will what cost them. So Luke 14, 25 through I think 33. Now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able, to meet, able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And people left, and he let them. He said, this is what it takes to follow me, and if you don't want that, I don't want you. I don't want a bunch of people who are fans of me walking around and, and not actually following me, all right? I want those who are completely committed followers, who will follow me no matter what, who love me, who are truly saved. So tell that to people. If somebody wants to be a Christian, tell them what it will cost them, and it will cost them everything, all right? They have to think, when you were saved, you think of God as supreme over everything, all right? 
He is the Lord of your life. He is the goal, all right? He is your greatest desire. And if that's not the case, you're not saved. So we don't stick people in the church who are interested in the idea, all right? If, they, if somebody wants to come to church to see what it's all about, great. But we don't declare anybody saved who comes to a church and believes something, all right? That's the worst thing we could possibly do. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So here we go. Different tools, different people, made in different ways. All right? We, we have a lot of different ways that we can preach the gospel. And you can make that into your own. All right? Ray Comfort has a specific way that he preaches the gospel to people. Um, Pastor Gabe Hughes has a similar thing. He has the same idea, but he brings it in different ways. All right? Eric Ludi, I just listened to a sermon of his and of how he teaches his congregation to preach the gospel. And it's, it was very interesting. And he even said, there are a lot of different ways to preach the gospel. And you can make it your own. And God created you in a specific way in order to do that. All right? But here's the one thing that all has in common. It's still the gospel. You, you should not change the gospel. The gospel should not be changed by you because you were changed by it, right? If you were truly saved, you were, if you actually know the gospel, you can, you can say it in different ways to, in order to get them to the point of the gospel. You can witness to people in different ways and the unique way that God has made you but we always get to what? The gospel, all right? We always get back to the gospel. So speaking of, we're all created in different ways, all right? Everybody, I'm pretty sure all of you guys have heard of the Las Vegas shooting, right? Um, there's this man who, during the Las Vegas shooting, he ran outside and was like, all right, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to steal a car, all right? I'm going to find the very first car that is open and I can get the keys and I'm going to start driving people to the hospital, all right? So the very first car he goes to, it's open, keys are in the seat. Takes it, starts driving people to the hospital. He gets like, like 20 people there, like, like 15 minutes and like 20 people there. He's on his third trip back, all right, to the hospital before the ambulance just showed up. He saved lives and he said that he was looking for people with them who were bleeding the most, all right, who needed the most. Um, and the, I think it was the day after where the guy who had the car was like, like got his number and like texted him and was like, hey, I heard you have my car. And, and he was like, and like the, the veteran here was like, I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm genuinely sorry for stealing your car. And like, but you know, I was like, I was trying to save lives. And he was like, no, man, it's, it's cool. And like, there was blood like all over his car, right? It's like bleeding people in it. Somebody might have died in his car. And he was like, like, I understand. It's okay. You were saving lives. He understood the importance of what he was doing. All right? Why do I say that? They both understood that the goal was to save lives. Is that you and your Christian friends? Is that not only the goal in your life, but is that what you're, you're seeking in your Christian friends' lives? Right? Are you trying to help them with that? If somebody comes to you and says, I've been trying to witness to this person and I just, 
I just, I don't know what to say to them. And it's been so long and I, I, just, I just need some help. Can you help me with this? Can you pray for me? All right? Uh, Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Do we practice that in our lives as Christians? I have this, uh, this co-worker right now who, uh, who is a Christian. And he has been telling me about his, his dad and his mom are both unsaved. Right? And his mom has cancer. And I, I honestly, I didn't know what to say to him. But I, you know, I just said, like, man, I'll, I'll pray for you. Like, I, didn't, I don't know him too well. I met him like two weeks ago. Right? The best thing that I can possibly do for him is, is one, pray for him. But be sad with him. To mourn with him. All right? To rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Okay? We should be invested in each other's lives, and that involves who we are witnessing to. All right? Is that, is that interesting to you? Is that... Yes, I want to help my friend to preach the gospel because that is the goal of our Christian lives and that's the reason we have church is to go out and to encourage one another and admonish one another and exhort one another so we can go out and save that which is lost. Okay? So, you might, you might be like this guy right now. You might be pretty stressed out. All right? Of... Like, okay, so I need to preach the gospel, and, and uh, like, this is really important, and, and, but, but like, what if I mess up? What if I don't do it right? What if, what if I, uh, you know, I, the first guy that comes up, and I just yell, propitiation, and that's all I say, and I run away, right? And then you're just freaking out. And you're like, like, how does somebody preach the gospel and yet retain their joy, retain their, their comfort, great comfort, all right? He goes around, he does that almost every single day, and he... He's a funny guy. He's a happy guy. All right? He's a joyful person. How do you preach the gospel and retain your joy? All right? Jeremiah the prophet, he preached to the Israelites for 23 years that they needed to repent to no avail. Didn't repent. Didn't do anything. But he preached for 23 years for them to repent. How does somebody do that? All right, this is what Ray Comfort had to say about it. When it comes to the task of evangelism, leave the results up to God. We plant somebody else's waters, but it is God who makes the seed grow. Think of Noah, Jeremiah, and many others who faithfully labored for many years. How many of us would be faithful enough to preach to the lost for 23 years if they weren't listening? So rather than aiming for decisions for Jesus, the key is to see the planting of the gospel seed as your success. Keep that attitude and you will always retain your joy when you seek the lost. Psalm 126, 5 through 6, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, greeting his sheaves with him. The goal is not to make people believe. The goal is not to stick a bunch of people in doors, in the church doors, right? The goal is to be a witness, a testimony, to be kind to unbelievers, to show them that you are different, right? To, to be that light, to show them that you love them at the same time, you're different, right? And to point them to Christ. But we don't make them 
believe. We don't force them to make a decision. We tell them, hey, will you think about this? That's, Ray Comfort closes every single time with that. Hey, will you think about this? Yeah, I'll think about this. You have a Bible at home. If he doesn't, he'll give one to him. But to get people to think about something is so much more important than sitting them down and telling them to repeat a prayer. And to tell somebody, well, there you go, you're saved, you're all set. And send them off their merry way and they don't have any idea what they just got themselves into. So, hopefully, that makes you look like this guy instead. Yeah, okay. All right, so, and here's, here's the point, though. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. It is God who saves. We can find comfort in that. It is God who saves. All right? But we can get this idea of, okay, well, well God saves, right? So, once again, I don't have to preach the gospel, right? No. If, if we did not preach the gospel, what are we doing? We are going against the commandment of God. And what would that be? Sin. Romans 6, 1 through 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Because if we don't preach the gospel to anyone, and God never loses a single soul, right? So he'll just miraculously save them if we don't preach the gospel to them, if, if you don't. So... I mean, it's fine. We don't have to preach the gospel. No, that's what he's, that's what he's saying here. Shall, are we, what should we say now? Are we continue, to continue in sin that grace may abound so God looks even better by us not doing anything? No, by no means. The word there is maigenoita. It's the greatest form of opposition Paul could have used in the Greek language. Maigenoita, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? What would be sin? Not caring about the lost. John 14, 15, once again, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. All right, and back to Romans 10, the gospel has to be proclaimed. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? All right? When Jesus called Peter to be a disciple, what did he say to them? And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He called them to be saved. And so what is he making them into? Christians, followers of Christ. And what does that mean? They're fishers of men. That was how he defined them. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. All right? So I have this wonderful, beautiful video. If you've been following the uh, YouTube page, you already know what this video is. This is by Apologia Radio. Um, and this is motivation for preaching the gospel. Um, I hope it is helpful. So just do it! Make your dream!
All right, so that is another fantastic um, evangelism ministry. If you guys want to check them out, Apology or Radio, fantastic, fantastic ministry. Um, and they just stream us, and the, the conversations they have are graceful, and they know scripture like, like nobody else. Like, they, they say verses I've never even heard of, and they use it in proper context, do exactly correctly to the right person. It's just like, oh, what's going on here? This guy's great. All right, so... So Ray Comfort and Apology Radio, if this is something you want to get involved in, like, if this is like, yeah, I want to study up on this more, check out those two guys, all right? But here's what I want to close with, all right? Um, Philippians 1, 15 through 17, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. All right? When we preach the gospel, we do it to the glory of God, but to, preach the go- to not preach the gospel because you don't think you'll be doing it for the right reasons, or to just preach the gospel, God wants you to just preach the gospel. Right? So that's why I played that video. Like, literally, just do it. Like, like seriously. How, like, how is very important? It's still, it's still the gospel. Okay? It's still the gospel. But why you preach it should be to the glory of God. But it's just better that you do it. When, when Jesus um, witnessed to the woman at the well, all right, the very next thing that uh, she went and did was witness to other people. And, like, Jesus didn't stop her and was like, whoa, you don't understand propitiation yet. You can't, you can't tell them about me yet. Whoa, slow down, all right? Jesus was like, yeah, it's a good thing, all right? There's, there's no point in a Christian's life, I mean a Christian's life, not somebody who thinks they're a Christian. There's no point in a Christian's life where it is not helpful to give their testimony, all right? There's, there's no point. If somebody is truly saved, they can explain it to somebody. They can. They, they might not be able to explain it, like, well or gracefully, but you can still preach the gospel, all right? And that's a good thing. Um... Where are my notes? So, how do we love God? All right? We don't want to just be this congregation of people who raises their hands and worship to God and sings a bunch of songs and, and worshiping uh, and, and, and praying instead of obeying. All right? We want to be a church that worships God by obeying him. So let's preach the gospel, all right? The greatest form of worship to God is not raising your hands to a great worship song. It's not, it's not praying for people to be saved and not, not doing anything about it. Prayer is not a substitute for obedience. Should we pray for the unsaved? Absolutely, but we have to preach the gospel. That's our goal. That's our mission. That's the whole reason for all of this. All right, so I'm gonna close with 2 Timothy 4. One through five, right? So I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, 
Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears they will accumulate for themselves. Teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of a what? An evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. I remember Matthew 4.19, and he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. All right, let's pray. God, thank you again just for this youth group board and just the opportunity to speak um, your word. Uh, I pray that this is not only helpful, Lord, but convicting, and that we will take the idea of evangelism seriously, and we will, we will start thinking and, and praying for the people that we know are in our lives specifically for us to witness to them. We will make it an effort to show them love, to love them, and to seek them out with the truth. And that will be on the forefront of our minds, Lord, and we will help each other to do that. Not only to keep each other accountable, Lord, but to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. To, to share with each other in each other's burdens and in our accomplishments. We pray that we will not, we will retain our joy, Lord, in evangelism and not have this idea that we are somehow supposed to save anybody, Lord, but it is that you, you are the one that saves, and that we merely plant the seeds of the gospel and obey you. Jesus, name we pray. And there you go. That is the last part of Connor's First John series. As I said at the beginning of this episode, we'll be back next week with a live episode. Uh, Connor, Carly, and I should be back in full stride. See you then.